The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. I am your host, J. Paul Nadeau. Today, I'm going to be playing a clubhouse room that was recorded on the 22nd of June, 2022. It is a room from Negotiating Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage, which is in the Take Control of Your Life Club. And I have a trigger warning for anybody who may be affected by the topic of sexual abuse because that's one of the topics that's going to be discussed. You're also going to hear some discussions on how to move past fear and to stop pleasing people so much to the point where it hurts you. It's an amazing episode with amazing moderators and I thank everybody for tuning in. I also want to remind you that if you have not picked up your copy of Take Control of Your Life, or if you've not downloaded it on Audible yet, it really is a work that will help you get through self-sabotage. Without any further delay, please enjoy this wonderful clubhouse room on how to negotiate your way out of self-sabotage. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone, and welcome to the Take Control of Your Life Club. And today we are going to be talking about negotiating our way out of self-sabotage. And it is almost, well, one minute to get to start. And what I would like to do is I'd like to get my moderators to introduce themselves to you. And then I will uh, say a short uh, introduction as, as well as describe what uh, self-sabotage to be, and then we'll get started. I just want to let you know that this room is not by any means therapy. Uh, we are here to to support you, to help you, and this is based on the knowledge that we have, and we are joined by some tremendous doctors at time, but remember, this is something that we're doing from our heart, and we're not giving you the uh, therapy if you need it um, that you may require. So if you are in need of therapy, please find somebody uh, that you can trust and open up to them because life is too short. Let's live every moment to the very, very best. And this is what we hope to do in this room. King and I have been running this for about a year and a half, and we have been joined by wonderful moderators. And you can see our moderation team here this morning, and uh, we're here to serve. So feel free to come up. When you do, uh, please uh, just keep it to a couple of minutes and then we're going to open it up to the microphones uh, for the moderators to pour in and uh, we'll see what we can do to help you. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll still have a couple of moderators, I'm sure, come up and we'll start pulling you up shortly. I'll start uh, with Robert. Robert, if you can uh, introduce yourself and then pour it over to Jill, please. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Robert Nadeau. I am Paul's brother. Um, I, uh, a, a bit of my background, I am a lawyer by day. 
Uh, I am an entertainer by night. I'm a mentalist. A mentalist is a kind of magic. I like to think of my my mentalism as magic for the intelligent mind. Uh, my background, though my undergrad, was in philosophy, and I majored in the history of philosophy and the history of science. I guess my contribution to this room uh, is probably principally uh, from my deep dive and my deep study of critical thinking. I have a uh, critical thinking series uh, that uh, a group on my Facebook page uh, with one to two minute reads if anybody's interested. But uh, critical thinking to me is and remains a very important component of how we interact, how we assess truth in, in a very difficult and complex environment. And so with that, I will, my pleasure, my delight absolutely to introduce Jill. Jill, over to you. Uh, thank you, Robert. I lo love hearing your updates and what you're doing right now. That's great. Um, can't wait to check that out. Um, yeah, I'm Jill Collins. Um, haven't been in the room in a while, and I'm so glad to be back. Uh, it's like being home. And uh, so what I'm up to in the world? Well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm reinventing myself. I've uh, been an entrepreneur, business owner. Um, I just, you know, my gift is connecting. And I just love sharing gifts, other people's gifts with the world. I love highlighting, featuring other people, making connections. And um, I run a, an accountability group every week, which we are renaming the vulnerability group because we are really vulnerable and real. We, um, we work on things like business, but not just business. It's about love relationships, our personal development, our physical health, and we meet once a week on Zoom. So I run that group um, and that's lovely. I really have been enjoying that and seeing the growth in everyone, including myself. And I've been going through a lot of personal growth lately uh, in spirituality and some starting something new. And so stay tuned. I just am here and just being today. I'm not doing, I'm just being. So I'm here to serve and feel free to reach out if you have anything or any needs. Um, I just love uh, finding solutions. And I'm always asking that question is, who do I know and who needs help today? And so that's why I'm here. This is Jill, I'm complete. Thank you so much, Jill, and it's so nice to have you here. And I see that we have been joined uh, by Glenn and by Dr. Allison. So I'll go to Dr. Allison and then over to Glenn and Candice. So over to Dr. Allison, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody. I'm Dr. Allison Oklufi. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist here in Northern California. I'm also a consulting psychologist for the state of California and an educational psychologist as well. But I'm also a registered yoga teacher, a mindfulness-based stress reduction facilitator, and a clinical hypnotherapist. And my new project is a YouTube channel where um, I'm putting out little clips so people can learn to love and accept themselves. Because in the decades that I've been doing this, I think 20 years, um, the number one underlying issue is people come and they just don't, there's some area of themselves they just don't love or accept. And when we bring that into a relationship and that first, you know, throws of the novelty, whether it's a friendship or a business relationship or a love relationship, when that wears off, there's still that hole that we're looking to have filled. And that's where it seems conflict comes in. So when we learn to really just accept ourselves and love ourselves unconditionally, we can bring our full selves into all things that we do. So that's sort of where I'm at today. And thank you so much for um, having me on stage, Paul. Bringing it back to you. 
Thank you. And it's always a joy to have you. And I love what you just said because it's so true. Thank you so much for that. And good morning, uh, good afternoon, or good evening, Glenn. It's morning for you. Uh, it's 12.05 p.m. here in Savannah, GA. I'm Glenn Moore Shower. Thrilled to be here, Paul. Uh, I'm a bald dude that is celebrating life uh, every day, every day, big time. And I see this as not only a gift, but as an assignment. And I encourage uh, that reframing of life because when we see it as an assignment, we tend to care more about what we turn in. And at the end of the day, I'm turning in my life each day, uh, really committed to feeling good about how I showed up in the world and showing up from a place of love and kindness and compassion and authenticity. Those are all things that are not just words, they're ways of life. Uh, for me, I'm blessed to make my living as an actor and have for 48 years um, on camera, and that's why I'm down here in Savannah, Georgia, uh, right now working on back-to-back -back television series. And I'm thrilled that my career has taken me all over the world and um, given me experiences that uh, are truly blessed experiences and invigorating and always interesting. And I think that on your toughest day, and then I'll land my plane, Paul, but on your toughest day, whatever they, that might be, life is still, at the very least, always interesting. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, buddy. I am thrilled that you're here. You can keep your plane up in the air for as long as you want. <laughs> um, I love what you said about life being an assignment. And I listened, I dropped in on your room yesterday when I was on the train coming back home. And what you said about having it as an assignment so that you can live it more intentionally, I thought was profound. And I really appreciated what you had to say. So I, I think we need to hear more about that today. So thank yeah, you. Thanks, Paul. And I was doing that room from my dressing room on set. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you had actor friends uh, with you. Uh, and uh, did they knock on the door finally for you? They not only knocked, they knocked to tell me that we were pulling the plug because lightning was striking all around our set. So we wrapped about two hours earlier than expected, which allowed me to stay on Clubhouse, which was fun. And I kept it going for another few hours. So it was, it was a good night. Ah, amazing. So nice to have you here, Glenn, as always. Candice, welcome. Thank you so much. It's absolutely an honor and privilege to be here and to be sitting on this platform again with um, the most amazing moderators. So thank you so much for having me, Paul. My name is Candice and I'm a certified personal executive coach and business leadership coach. And I'm absolutely fueled by a passion to help people in an authentic way. And I understand from my own life experiences, the importance of being resilient and being able to pivot and just being able to be comfortably uncomfortable. And um, in some of my spare time, when I'm not uh, working with my clients, I love to serve the community. I'm on a board for a non-for-profit organization here in Ottawa, Canada that supports the most vulnerable and high-risk youth involved in um, gangs and human trafficking. And uh, we're trying to make a difference the best we can. And that's sort of what I'll say about me. Just again, thrilled to be here and hoping to add value and support whenever I can. And looking forward to continuing to grow and learn myself as I do every time I come to this room. So thank you so much. Oh, Candice, we're thrilled to have you here each and every time. 
And uh, I just want to make an announcement that we do have the back chat going, the message. Uh, you can see that 10 people have already added to that. Uh, so please, if you have any questions and you don't feel like coming up on stage, put them there. King checks them regularly and we can bring them into the conversation. So I want to welcome everybody else who has joined us to this point. We're going to have an excellent room today. And I see that Eleni, one of our moderators, has joined us. And I'll turn the microphone over to her and then over to Michelle. Hello, everybody. Long time no see. Um, I'm Eleni. I'm an artist, a painter, but actually grew up as a child actress from the age of seven into my 30s. Um, I now, uh, even though I'm an artist, I work alongside underprivileged children as adults from um, 18 to 24, where the charity takes them out of being victim into being successful and finding them work and giving them incredible counseling so that they come out of self-sabotage into the king and the goddess they're meant to be. And I'm Eleni. Thank you, Eleni. And nice to have you here. I know that you were absent for a couple of times, but I'm glad you're back. Michelle, over to you. Thanks, Paul. Um, my name is Michelle Gasky, and you can look at my uh, bio, but basically I've been a transformational trainer and coach for the last 25 years. So I'm someone that is really excited to be in this room because I'm coming in just to hold space um, and give my love and listen from a place of your blind spots. Because I think there's nothing that I can give you that you don't already have. And some of you guys might find that, you know, hey, really arousing and affirming, right? So, Because it's like, yeah, all right, I have it all. And then other people can, you know, get a little like uncomfortable hearing that um, because we think that there's stuff to fix. And maybe that's true, but maybe it's really just shining a light on, you know, your incredible capacity to be a lover of this life and to help you unearth the limiting beliefs and assumptions that you have about that prevent you from experiencing your true self because it just all comes down to this. You, you really become a trailblazer by virtue of being your genuine self, uh, by loving that genuine self. And it's simple but profound. And so um, my, my hope here is that I can help you um, experience that feeling of empowerment and freedom that comes from really starting to understand and see who you already are to be in that self-discovery journey. And so, um, you know, recently I've been pretty busy. I have a training coming up in July called The Odyssey, and that's really a three-day um, training that's on Zoom where you really, you know, wake up, face up, and let go uh, of the basically the ways that have been inhibiting you from being all of who you can be. And so I'm excited about that. And I'm just excited to also just share that today my daughter has her first real job interview. So I'm very excited for that. Um, and I'm a mom on the other side. So just wanted to say that too. And with that, back to you, Paul. Well, woohoo, we're going to send her some positive energy. I'm sure she's going to nail it because she's got a mom like you. <laughs> T -Y -T -Y. Thank you, Michelle. And we're T-Y-T-Y. <laughs> yes. And I so appreciate you being here all the time and you support us and, and 
give great counseling. So thank you for being here. King, over to you, sir. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, hi, I'm King, and I'm a communications social media strategist and travel blogger. And I've just been really happy to be able to contribute to the room where I can. And like I said, Paul and I kind of started this uh, year and a half ago, just assuming that we'd be chatting with ourselves. But along the way, we've met a lot of incredible people. And hopefully, we've also helped a lot of people as well. And that uh, that really is the point of all this. Uh, but I want to welcome everyone to, of course, to our Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room that happens every Saturday here at noon Eastern Time. And of course, it is hosted by the Take Control of Your Life Club. So if you aren't already a member of the club, make sure you join by tapping the little greenhouse above my head. And that way you'll be notified whenever we do run this and other rooms uh, during the week as well. And anyone who does have any questions or comments that they'd like to share, if you want to come up on stage, just feel free to raise up your hand. And I do encourage you to raise your hand up sooner rather than later because we do keep these rooms at no more than two hours. And so when we do have enough people on stage, we will turn off the hand raising. So uh, get your hand up there sooner rather than later. And we do ask that anyone who does want to come up on stage to speak to make sure that you do have something written in your bio and ideally social media accounts attached to it as well because we do try to keep the space up here on stage as safe as possible. So we want to make sure that you are indeed a real person and just not someone looking to come up to disrupt the stage. But of course, if you aren't able to speak, the room chats are open. So feel free to tap in any uh, comments or questions that you have in the room chat as well. And we will address them as uh, best as we can um, on stage. So no worries if you can't speak. But of course, if you are able to come up and speak, we welcome you to come join us on stage. And also, from uh, if you you know if you're enjoying what you're hearing and you like what what's going on, make sure you share the room as well, um, so that you know others can know that. Uh there's some great stuff going on here. And for anyone else that might actually, you know, require just, you know, a little, little bit of encouragement or some, you know, guidance uh, with uh, things that they might be struggling with. And also, if you know of anyone that might be able to contribute to this room, or if you know someone that might have a question, make sure you ping them into the room as well uh, so that they can uh, get uh, some, uh, sort of hear some of the great things that are going on here. We'd be greatly appreciated if you could do that. And also, of course, finally, Clubhouse is all about connections. That's how the algorithm uh, decides what to show you in the hallways. That they put, uh, that's how it decides what to recommend for you. So if there's you know people in the room here that resonate with you, you know give them a follow. Obviously, the place to start, check out my amazing moderators up here on stage and follow them. But take a look around the room to your left, to your right. You know there's amazing, amazing people you know that are in Clubhouse, and you know many of them are in the audience. So take a look, read everyone's bios, and uh, make a new friend. And of course, I do always say that if you do find someone who you know you resonate with, don't just follow them here on Clubhouse. Make sure you follow them on their Instagram or their Twitter as well, because it gives you an extra chance to get to know them a little bit better. It gives you, you know, you know, gives them an opportunity also to to message you off the platform as well. And also, once again, you know, Clubhouse is here and is great today. But just in case you know the platform for whatever reason isn't functioning uh, in a month or a year or two years, you won't lose contact with these people, and you can still find them on all those additional platforms as well. So with that, I'm going to hand things over to Paul to uh, get us going. So Paul, if you are ready, the microphone is yours. Well, thank you. Before I do, I see that Jacqueline has joined us. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to her for a an introduction. Hi, Jacqueline. Good morning, everyone. I will be very brief. Uh, my name is Jacqueline Way. I'm the founder of a charitable organization called 365 Give. And really, I just feel blessed and grateful to be here with all of you today. 
I know one thing about our conversations every Saturday morning is that they keep going back to the word love. And I'm looking forward to being part of the conversations that will keep bringing us back to love every single week. So thank you, Paul, for holding this space and so happy to be here with you all. Back over to you. Well, happy to have you here. So thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm going to try to be brief, but as everybody knows in this room, I go on for a little bit. So um, please bear with me. Uh, this all started, I suppose, Robert and I were um, raised in a home where there was a lot of violence and anger. And consequently, uh, we suffered a lot at the hands of a father who was tormented. And uh, the abuse stuck with me for a very, very long time where I didn't have any self-confidence and I didn't know my value in life. And as I continued to grow, I, I needed to challenge myself and to change the way that I was seeing myself. And that happened. I remember making a promise to myself when I was seven years old that when I grew up, I was going to be a policeman so I could arrest my father and people like him. I felt that I couldn't protect the family, I couldn't protect myself, and I vowed to be different. And although I was uh, having a difficult time in school being bullied and stuff, I kept believing that I could change. And I started to realize the things that I could do to change. At the age of 17, my father killed himself, so I wasn't able to arrest him, but I did become a policeman at 21, and I followed through on that promise because I wanted to serve others. That career led me into so many different areas where I started to truly believe in myself, and I truly wanted to make a difference. And so I joined the detective's office, and I worked in the special victims unit, uh, working with people who had been abused, sexually abused, um, assaulted just like me, uh, victims of uh, not only sexual abuse, but of abuse in general. And I realized that I had an ability to reach them and to help them and also to learn from them. Then I became a hostage negotiator. And again, I was trained in how to negotiate and help people deal with the things that they're going through and to find out what it was that led them to where they were. So all this is a form of self-sabotage when we think about it. And so I went on to help as many people as I possibly could. And when COVID hit, I decided that I was going to start a podcast called Inspire Us to help people get through difficult times. And I felt that I had an ability and a gift to do that. When Clubhouse came, King got a hold of me and says, hey, this is a great app. I think you'd be fantastic on it or you'll really enjoy it. And I did. And then I started talking to King and saying, why don't we open a room on self-sabotage and help people get through the difficulties that they're going through? Because we all go through them, folks. There are things in our lives that happen to us. And unless we challenge the negative thought patterns that we have in our minds, they can get the very best of us. I still go through that. I, I shared some of that with you last week. I still go through those moments where I look back and I, I want to change things, but I know that the power to do that is now. The power to do that is within me and I can change my mindset and become a better person than I was before or standing at least stronger on the shoulders that I was yesterday. Life is full of lessons. The definition of sabotage, when we take a look at it, it means to deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct something. That's a deliberate act. When we read the newspapers, there was an attack and there was sabotage that occurred at this industry or whatever. 
And we know that there was a deliberate act and, and damage was done. Let's take a look at self-sabotage. Self-sabotage refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from doing what it is that we want and deserve to do. Because life is beautiful when we choose it to be. And it is an assignment, as Glenn has said, and let's use it to the very best. But what happens when we hear those voices in our head that tell us that we're not good enough or a number of different things? I'll give you a few examples in a moment. And the idea is that we cannot be rescued. There's not anybody that's gonna come and rescue us. Rescue comes from within. It comes from really standing into our power and recognizing that we are awesome and that we are limitless. But we have to remind ourselves of that because everybody, as I said, will go through a period of time where they'll look back at things or they'll experience things in the moment and say, I'm just not worthy. I can't do this. I can't. And the subconscious mind will make it so. But let's change the way that we talk to ourselves. Let's change the way that we look at things. Let's reach out and listen to some content that will support us. Let's reach out to a friend or a therapist or someone who can say, let's, you know what, you've got this. You've got this. Some forms of self-sabotage. And I want you to think of your personal lives as I go through this. And please come up to the stage and share what you're going through. We're going to help you here. When we blame others, when things go wrong, that we don't take that accountability for ourselves. We turn and we point the finger at somebody and we say, guess what? I'm not where I wanna be because I was abused as a kid or my boss has got it for me or that person never gave me the opportunity to do it or it's somebody else's fault. I'm not at blame here. If you are constantly blaming others for things that are going wrong without examining yourself to see what it is that you may have to improve on, who is the person that you need to become to get that wonderful relationship or that wonderful job or whatever it is that you want in life? Self-examination, and Robert talks about this so beautifully. It's so important to examine ourselves as opposed to just lifting the finger in a moment and saying, I'm not where I wanna be because that person is preventing me from being where I wanna be. So that's a, an example of self-sabotage. That is not being accountable to yourself. Now, when you're not accountable to others, when you make a promise to others and you don't follow through, that's something that is self-sabotage as well. And it's something that you need to examine and say, again, who must I become to be that person worthy of love? Because I am worthy of love. But if I want the love of someone, who must I become? If I want that job, who must I become? Choosing to walk away. This is another thing. As opposed to, well, in the same line, it's blaming others when things go wrong. We just walk away. Hey, I can't handle this. It's like the ostrich who puts his head in the sand. Uh, because they just don't want to see what's going on. They want to walk away without saying, okay, this is going to be hard. I need to have this tough conversation or I need to do this thing or I need to look at my life and, and change things. I need to do it. But when you choose to walk away when things don't go right, then that is a form of self-sabotage. And guess what? You're limitless. You can turn that around. Procrastination is another one. Procrastination when things seem overwhelming, when you're feeling overwhelmed and you say, 
as opposed to taking it one step at a time or reaching out to someone who may help you through this, you say, I don't want to handle it. It's too much. We're looking at the big picture and it's just too much to do this. And so you procrastinate and consequently, you never get things done. Another one is um, picking fights with friends or partners for no apparent reason. There's sometimes an underlining reason to that. And it may be that you're not being seen or heard in your relationship. And you just want to pick a fight because you want to be seen and heard. Everybody has this innate desire to be loved and accepted, seen and heard and validated. So we need to have those conversations. And maybe it's as much as just saying, hey, um, may I talk to you? I don't feel like I'm being seen right now, or I don't feel like I'm being heard. Can we have that conversation? And we need to do that from time to time. It's very important for those relationships. Here's another one. Um, dating people that you know aren't right for you. You go back to the same kind of toxic relationships, and maybe it's because you don't attach enough value to who you are. You've got to look at yourself and say, who am I? And again, I'm going to I'm going to repeat myself when I say self-examination is so important. So you may ask yourself, who must I become? What changes must I do? What must I do to date this person that I'm looking at, that I'm really admiring, that I really want to be with? What must I do to change to be that person? And when you make those small changes or those big changes, you just become a stronger and better person. So when we don't attach enough value on ourselves, that's when things can really hurt and be self-sabotaging. Uh, another one here is troubling, uh, trouble stating our needs and desires. And this is a big one. A lot of people have trouble stating their needs and desires with family. They, a, a parent will impose upon a child from the time they're young, I want you to be a doctor, I want you to be a lawyer, and the kid wants to be an artist. And I know that King and I, uh, in the earlier days of this room here, we had a lot of young people come up and they were depressed. They were sad. Some of them cried on stage saying, I became this doctor that my parents wanted me to be, but I hate it. I want to kill myself. That's how hard it is for some people not to state their needs and desires with other people. They keep it inside and they want to please their parents or whoever it is, and they don't get to live their lives. And that is tough. If you're having trouble stating your needs and desires with your family or your friends or work, in romantic relationships, imagine this, you're with someone in a romantic relationship and you're not stating your needs and desires and you're feeling unfulfilled, you're not having those conversations. That's not good for anyone and it's certainly not good for the relationship. And another one is when we don't state our needs and desires in everyday interactions, it would just, we, we remain quiet because we're afraid of being seen or we're afraid of being rejected or whatever it is. We need to stand into our greatness. We need to remind ourselves that you are as worthy as everybody else to speak and to say, hey, this is what I would look for. This is what I need in this job or, or this relationship. Without doing it, how can you be 100% in the relationship or in that job? Uh, when we put ourselves down, and I'm almost done, guys, when we put ourselves down, those little voices that pop into our heads and they happen to everybody, I can't do anything right. Why does this always happen to me? And I'm going to go to the poor me hotel and the why me lounge because this always happens. It doesn't happen to anyone else. It happens to me. I won't make it. So why do I even try? Nobody loves me. I'm all alone in this world and I, I, I'm not seen. 
And I'm just not worthy of this job, of this opportunity, of this relationship. When we talk to ourselves in that way, then our conscious mind sends a message to our unconscious mind that says, you're right, you're not worthy of that. And you're right, nobody does love you. And you're right, not, it doesn't happen to anyone else but you. And consequently, that sends us down a very dark spiral into that, that sadness and oftentimes that feeling of depression and not wanting to go on in life. We need to challenge our narrative. We need to change the things that we, we do. We need to examine ourselves and so much more. So I've spoken so much on this. I, I appreciate you listening. And uh, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna just uh, pull to refresh and I see that ZZ is our first speaker and I'm going to welcome ZZ and turn the microphone over to her. So thanks for listening, folks. Thank you, Paul. It's always great to be with the Nados, you know, such a great room. Um, I'm going to relate an experience that happened to me that made me realize that I was self-sabotaging myself. Yesterday, I, like Glenn, often get crazy whispers and I immediately obey them. So I got this whisper, ask Versa Manos. So I went to her room and I went to her stage and I didn't know what I was going to ask her. I was just said, ask her. I didn't know what I was supposed to ask. So I told her, I mean, I might think it's crazy. I'm here in your room because I got this crazy whisper and I usually have to obey them to the letter, even if they're crazy. So we both started laughing. And then, you know, we talked about things and I told her how I was always uh, and I acted my entire life as a student, whether it was a school, uh, university, and graduate school. I directed plays, and acting was my passion. And then I immediately realized that I think, like I, I admire Glenn Morshauer, and he knows that, both his philosophy and his workshop. So I attended as a listener and I never participated as an active actor, though I love acting. <laughs> so I, I told her about that, that the fact that I like Glenn and his ways. And, and then he said, you know what? I used to be doing this and this and that. And all of a sudden I realized, I said, I think in, in the back, the question is, can I act when I'm now on a wheelchair? So she immediately left and said, you don't know how many times they ask for actors on wheelchairs. And of course you can act on a wheelchair. And I realized <clears throat> that I'm not expecting like to act in a movie or anything, but why not, you know? But anyway, so I realized I was using this fact that I'm now on a wheelchair that I can no longer act, which is my my ultimate hobby and my ultimate love is acting. So I am just admitting that, that yeah, it's true. No matter how we think we've evolved, there are things still that we think are reality when they are not, they are not true. So, and thanks for your room because I know Paul, you say a lot of things that make people think twice. And thank you for letting me share. 
Well, Zizi, we're so happy to see you every time you come up and I appreciate your words. And thank you for that great share. It's so true. Sometimes things aren't reality. Um, do any one of my moderators want to jump in and, and uh, share on that one? Uh, this is Michelle. I just want to add in Zizi, you know, it's, I, I think it's no accident that you love uh, things that Glenn say and that you resonate with what he says, because you, you know, this is in a way your life's work too. Um, this way you are love and love people support people to their greatest level. And um, I'm just thrilled that, you know, you accepted to go into Glenn's class and that you could see for yourself, like the breakthrough of, wait a minute, am I limiting myself? Um, and of course, I knew you would have that breakthrough because that's just who you've been being ever since I met you in this clubhouse. And so, you know, thanks for sharing. And I just wanted to say that I really respect you and i'm really glad that you came up on the stage to share that and that's it i'm pausing my mic awesome thank you so much and just wanted to add I'm, I'm working on a monologue to send to carolyn to see if i become a, an acting member rather than a listener i love it maybe you'll inspire me to do the same whoa come on with it Come on with it. <laughs> I love it, Zizi. And the fact that you're working on something right now, um, uh, this is amazing. Eleni, I saw you on mute. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to say Zizi is such an incredible soul. And sweetheart, we all have our Achilles heel. But what you are producing in your book, um, that of course we've done together, i.e. the cover, and all of the other ways that I hear you in rooms pouring into people's hearts, know that you are an incredible woman and only blessings are continually coming to you, my darling Zizi. Thank you so much. I love that, Eleni. That's so true. We have to look at ourselves and remind ourselves that we're awesome. And sometimes we don't see ourselves the way that others see us. And we have to look at that and say, okay, you know, somebody thinks I'm pretty awesome, so I must be. <laughs> Zizi, congratulations on the book and everything else. And I'm so happy to have you here. I'm just going to tuck you gently into the audience and feel free to come right back if you want to. And on that note, uh, how about we have a room reset? Michelle, do you mind making the room reset? Not at all, not at all. So welcome everyone, good morning, happy Saturday. Yay. Um, we're here in the Take Control of Your Life Club. And this is a great club. And um, this was a club that got founded by these two gentlemen here. So if you wouldn't mind just clicking on that club so you get notified every time that we have a room here. We do this room now Saturdays, usually from 12 to two. I'm just gonna add my ish in there. Sometimes we're in the ish zone. Uh, so it could be two-ish, but we do try and be timely. And we were here from 11 to 1, but we recently in the last month changed our schedule. So that's why we're saying it now, because we would love for you to come back every week. And there are so many people who I see here in the lounge and some who are up on stage who have been doing that for even over a year now. And so um, it's become quite a community and all of us grow here every day. Uh, and that's the most important thing is this discovery of self. And 
recognizing ourselves in other people's shares. And that's what's wonderful. And just having an opportunity to be there and support someone, whether we're talking in the chat. So please feel free to talk in the chat. We're going to be engaging in there or whether we, um, you know, we're talking live here on stage. And this is a wonderful stage if you haven't shared before to come up and share. Um, and, you know, it is a little scary. And, uh, you know, we, I can't guarantee what uh, the response will be because it based on what you say, uh, but I can guarantee that everyone's here who's here does really want to support everyone else who's here on the stage as well. Be sure you follow the mods um, because they are all here taking their time out. And that's something we don't get back just to give. And um, they've done so for month after month after month after month and um, have become like family. And so hopefully you guys will get a lot out of this. If you're going to share something that's a trigger, we'd appreciate it if you just let us know ahead of time in case someone is in the room and already hurting. We just want to make sure that that hurting person has an opportunity to say, okay, I can't deal with hearing about this right now. And if that is you, just gently leave the room through the leave quietly button and take a stretch and get something to drink, walk around, you know, do something good for yourself. Come back five or 10 minutes later. And if you're the person sharing and saying, I have a trigger warning, just give a second before you start to talk about that particular thing that's a trigger to give people a chance to leave and then share. And that is like the accountable way to be able to get your needs met too. And we're all about that because we really do want to support how we can. Just again, understanding that we do have uh, some trained professionals here on the stage, but most of us are not therapists or psychologists on this stage. We're here to help out of the expertise that we've had in our own fields uh, and out of what our strength and experience and wisdom that we've had from being here. We know you who are down in the audience also have a lot of strength and wisdom and experience to share with us. And that's why we show up week after week because we're growing together. Uh, and so with that, Paul, I'm going to pass the mod mic back to you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Great reset as always. And I'm going to welcome Byron to the stage. Hello, Byron. Hey, Paul. Hey, guys. Hey, Glenn. Hey, everybody. You guys, I'm just amazed that I'm up here um, because I, I just want to talk a little bit about self-image and I have, you know, hopes that you guys can help a little bit with that. I've um, been a father. I grew up, you know, as a young man, as a father, but I really found um, I, I am in this like firefighter mode, like hurry up and wait where I'm, I spend a lot of time, you know, in preparation and readiness but I get in my own way. I sabotage that, that ability to go, you know, and I, I don't really know a lot about, um, creating fires outside my passion as a firefighter mindset. You know, that's that self image that I have. Um, and I'm trying to figure it out. And I find that like the passion that I have is to just hurry up and be prepared in every aspect to wait, to make myself available for others. And the others don't include me all the time. And that, you know, I'm just trying to figure that out. I, I'm a learner by the nature of my preparedness and readiness. So I'm constantly seeking an information. But the conversion factor for myself on all that, everything that I've been hurry up and waiting for and learning and building has led me to my careers, which just keeps reinforcing this. So 
maybe some advice on on how that would work with someone that has developed such a, a personal connection as a dad, but also as a professional and in a kind of support role. How do I create my passion or, or how, how do I nurture my passion of being available for everybody, but turn that around on me a little bit, you know, because I just classify it as I just have so much nervous energy and stillness constantly. Mm, I get it. You know what, Byron? Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, Byron. I didn't mean to you're good, you're off, good. but I so get I still get what you're saying, and I know that my moderators are going to want to pour into this because um, it's something that a lot of us struggle with. And I, I'm going to turn it over to one of my moderators. Who wants to start off in this conversation? Anyone? I will. Um, if I understand you correctly, then, Byron, uh, is it that you're preparing to do things or you're preparing to take another step? One of the things. I know that there's many um, that we need to touch on here. But is it that you're... Um, afraid of like you're pre you're preparing, but you're afraid of taking the next step out of fear that you might not succeed, out of fear that uh, you're afraid of failure. W what is it? Um, is that one of the steps that you're having a hard time with? Like you're getting prepared to do things, but you're afraid of taking the step. Yeah, I, I I think that's a great way to put it. I don't categorize it as fear because I think fear is a physical thing for me with my past. I, I know that separation. So that's also a hard thing to kind of utilize basic fear um, instructions. I, I just, I've been through a lot, you know, so, but yes, that, that really is kind of it is the, the lackluster ability to move forward. It, it does come from some concept of fear. I, I would say that. Yes, I, I, I do believe it does because I think as human beings, there's often things that we, uh, we fear failure. We feel, uh, we fear rejection. We fear what other people may say, you know, we're always worried perhaps that we're not going to make it or that people may say certain things about us or that we're not going to succeed. And again, this comes right back to some of the things that I said earlier about self-sabotage. When we are ready to do something and step forward and give it a shot, um, what prevents us from doing that? And often it's the things that we, uh, that we tell ourselves is that I'm not going to make it or I'm not going to be the success I want to be. And that's something a lot of people struggle with. Uh, what I say about that, and this has happened to me as well, I try things. I have a friend by the name of Stuart Knight, and I had him on my podcast, and he said, you know what I do, Paul? He says, I, I imagine myself with a, a fist full of spaghetti, and I throw that spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks. And the spaghetti to him represented the different uh, jobs that he would do or the different things that he had created, and he would just put it out there. Like he's a, a well-known uh, speaker, he's a motivational speaker, he's an author, uh, he's got a podcast, he's got classes that he's done, and he just throws it out there. He prepares and then he throws it out there. I'm very much the same. What's the worst that can happen? It may not succeed. And if other people say, oh, you failed, Paul, it's all right. I've got tough skin, I can't take things personally. But if I don't try something, if I don't step out and say, I have this passion to write a book, and I didn't, <laughs> that's a long story, I won't go into it, but if I had told myself from the very beginning, you can't write this book, there's no way, it's gonna fail and people are not gonna buy it and you're just gonna be another loser, uh, then I would never have written it and I never would have put it out there. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't get picked up, it's okay. At least at the end of my life, and I tell this to a lot of people, Byron, and I say this in this room, 
at the end of my life, I do not want to be visited by the ghost of missed opportunities who look at me and say, you had a book in you. You had a song in you. You had a play in you. You had a movie in you. You had all these things. You could have brought us to life, but you didn't. And that would be regret. And that would be so much. Uh, any one of my moderators want to add because there's so much here. Yes, Dr. Allison, please. Uh, and, then, and then Jill. Hi, Byron. It's nice to see you in the room. I don't think I've seen you in this room before. Um, you know, there's a wonderful book by the grandfather of trauma treatment, uh, Bessel van der Kolk. It's called The Body Keeps Score. And when you say it's more physical, there's always feelings and emotions tied to the physical. And so a lot of times when we look underneath the physicality of fear, we see feelings of self-doubt, self-worth, problems with um, fear of judgment of others because we try and ingratiate to find that one nugget of acceptance and love. And so I'm thinking that there might be some underlying emotions that are much deeper than that physical fear. I see you're blinking your mic. That might be um, much deeper than the physical fear because especially with men, they tend to um, inhabit the physical more than the emotional or the feelings. And so it's important to go underneath that and see what it is because when you say it's you're doing it for others, that's safe because you're, you know, you're being there for other people and it's not for you. And so I think in the times when you say, you know, you're either in action or you're calm, you know, these are polarities and life is lived in that lovely murky gray area where we have to go sometimes in between the two. So maybe on one of your next quiet times, I like to think of these as reveries where they're like little daydreams where you can think of yourself, uh, think of your passions as, um, or, or up a passion of what would somebody else be doing here? Is that something I would like? And having these little fantasy imaginations because you can try it on for size. It's like a dressing room of life. You try it on for size. If it looks good on you, you turn around, you're like, oh, I look so good. You keep it on, you might take it with you. And if it doesn't look good, you, you know, put it back on the rack and say goodbye. Thank you so much. And there's not too much emotional or physical investment in that. Um, and then when you find something that resonates with you and that feels good for you, that's when you can, you know, talk to somebody and there's something called, uh, Lev Vygotsky talks about the zone of proximal development. So it's about, and it's an educational term, but it works for life. You look for somebody who's just a bit in front of you and just a bit behind you because by following, not the lead, you know, but getting inspiration from the person who's right in front of you and then helping along the person behind you, you in, um, invest in hope, right? Because you get the hopeful because I can do this baby step. You, if you want to be an actor, you're not going to be Glenn overnight, um, but you can, you know, imagine yourself to be um, somebody who just has a bit part in something. And then if you're helping somebody behind you, you have that feel good, I'm being kind, I'm learning, and those kind of feelings start bolstering up your self-doubt, self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-efficacy, and then it starts becoming clear because when you're on that path, then things are going to start getting presented to you because as you change your perspective and your worldview and your self-view, um, 
everyone around you is going to notice and then opportunities start happening. And the serendipity that we talk about is really the learning about being aware of what's in the environment to then find out what our next is. So I hope that helps Byron and I'm so happy to see you here today. Oh, thank you. Go ahead, Byron, sorry. Yeah, no, I, that, yeah, you got a little tear come out my eye there. So yeah, there's definitely something <laughs> there. So. All right, we got Jill uh, who wants to say something over to Jill and then Lenny. Thank you, Paul. Um, that was great, really, really good good feedback there. Um, Byron, hi, um, haven't seen you in a while. I'm really glad you're here. And what you said really resonated and I can relate to where you're coming from. It just kind of feels like you're, you said, you, it's like you're stuck in a rut and that you can't help, you help others, but you just can't move forward for yourself and that you don't call it fear, but it is a bit, little bit of fear, but you just have that lackluster for moving forward out of something. So my question for you would be, what are you really called to do? What is it that you feel, you know, you, you have a lot of interests, a lot of things, you do a lot of growth and I know you in that space and you're really into personal growth and wanting to learn. And sometimes we can get in so much into learning and, and growing and then giving that to others. And so what happens is, is um, you know, it's really like, are you really doing what you love or doing what you feel is aligned to others in your life? Like with your career, your job, you said, I'm, you know, been in my career doing things. And, um, you know, it's just really, you're good at serving others and who you are, that's important to you. And you just don't know how to transfer that to yourself. So the question I'd have also is, how do you feel about yourself? You know, how do you feel when you think of taking time for yourself? What do you tell yourself about you? Like, is it, do you feel guilty? Do you feel, you know, something that maybe it doesn't, you don't deserve it, or you should be focusing on other people? And how does it feel to put your desires and do things you want or are called to do? You know, you're a giver and that's a superpower. Believe me, it's a superpower. And it's, it's something that not everybody is naturally a giver. Um, but that's a basic human need that you have. I believe you're in Tony Robbins space. So you know what I mean by basic human needs? You know, it's not about transferring that giving to you and to stop giving to others, but it's really to tap into that and find a way to serve you in that, you know, it could just simply be a reframe of how you see giving to others. You know, if you're giving from love, truly from love and not giving to receive something in return, you're actually receiving a gift back because you've, you're nurturing that your heart of that need for contribution and it's a beautiful space. So I guess I would just ask is how does it that you see yourself when you're wanting to give and it, am I on the right track here with what I sense is happening with you? Because I've been there. I know that like holding pattern that like freeze and you have all these ideas and all these things, but it's just the longer you wait, it's like you sit, it gets harder and harder to jumpstart. It's just, it's just like, cause you remind yourself of how many days it's been, how many months, how many, how long, or how many other things you've tried, or, and it's easier to give because you can, you feel like at least I'm doing something and I'm helping others. But I think like Paul said, it's just getting out there and trying something. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning and talking to Paul too, is this thing about hundred fails is actually knowing that when we get out there, we expect to fail expect to fail at something, you know, it, it happens. And the stronger we are, and we know that's going to happen, it gives us it gives us some grit. And then we can keep going. And it makes it easier, because we know we expect it, we're not looking to avoid that pain, we're looking to and we know it's going to be there. So it's just part of the process. So I th said a lot there, Byron, but um, love to hear from you. Yeah, I, 
you know, Joe, that was like 2019 for me, the, the guilt, the self-talk. Um, and I really put a lot of, um, you know, efforts through meditation and NLP practices to get out of that. Um, but on top of that, it's that, it's that excellence drive through my career of being the, the last man to solve the problem in the, in the, the live moment on TV with everything writing that I think is now the our harder issue. I have the perfectionism challenge. I, I no longer speak into the negatives and I see the positive, but that's enhancing that, that over excellent requirement, that expectation I have of myself. And that's the new hurdle is, is not converting the, the conversations I have anymore. It's more about now that that's out of the way, this excellence within my career is now hitting my personal life. And I'm like, how the heck do I do it by myself? Because it was a team effort at work. So finding that team within myself and converting that at that high level, like that's where I'm struggling. So, but yes, Joe, I, I could not say it better. That self understanding, that's what I overcame this last couple of years. And, and it's now just flipped a little bit because of my requirement to be in the moment with millions and millions of eyes, ears, dollars, pressure, pressure, and being the person that solves it, that is now excelled. And I'm like, dang it, now I'm, I'm on the other side, but it feels the same, you know, it's fearful. So, so Byron, I, I'm in the same space as you. It's, you had a team, you were working with a team and now you're doing it on your own and it's all you, right? Yep. Okay. I'm in the same space as you. And what I was told by a couple coaches is I was hiding behind other people and they're right because of my insecurities. And maybe that wasn't you, but now having to do it on my own, damn, that's scary. Figuring out what I want to do, motivating myself. I don't have family, kids. I don't even have a plant. You know, if I don't do anything and sit in, in my sofa and eat bonbons all day, nobody's going to care or no. And so it takes a lot of motivation to, to get up and do something and to know and remember what it is I'm about. And, and then to put myself out there to serve others and to do what I'm called to do. Boy, you know, a day goes by. It's like, well, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, it, it's, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I got to tell you, I say this in this room. I've said this in the past when I've been in this room is, you know, every person on this planet has a message to share or some gift. We've had something we've gone through. We've experienced whatever it is that we are being called to do by God, by, by the universe, by spirit. We have something. And every single day we don't share our message, someone is suffering. And it's something that motivates me and drives me. And um, I'm going to share the podcast with you that really moved me. And I hope that it touches you too. If you, It's like 17 minutes. It's about getting the 100, 100 no's. And it's, um, it, there are others there that she does. But um, that, one, that one really hit me because it's like being prepared and being resilient. And I think I'm in the same place as you. I'm being completely vulnerably honest. It's, it's scary as shit. It's scary. It's tough. It's tough to figure out how am I going to do it myself? And it's on me. But you know what I had to do? I had a very dark moment recently. And I said to myself, I realized who I'm showing up as is not me. It's my, it's this image of what I want you to see. And when I finally saw my, that, that like the internal spirit, my inner, my inner being, and, and then, the, and then what I'm presenting. And I realized that's a bunch of shit. It's, it's BS. I just froze. I'm like, okay, so now what? Now who am I? How can I possibly go out there and tell people what I want to what I want to share? Because I don't know anymore. I don't know what my who I am. I I don't have an identity. And I just simply share and I just show up. And by giving that up, it gave me the freedom to be able to just be me 
and it's a struggle every day. I'm not lying, but it's the truth. And that's all I can do is just give you my truth. I, I felt that to my heart. So thank you, Jill. Thank you. Oh, the dog agreed. Wow, that was, yeah, that was amazing. My goodness. Thank you so much. Uh, Eleni, we're going to go to you and then uh, it is on to Candice. But uh, Jill, that was fire. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Hello, Byron. Um, you know, sweetheart, nobody gets a book in how to be a parent. No one gets a book in how to be an entrepreneur. But what I'm getting from you is that you're an incredible empath. And if you're pouring and pouring into all these people, imagine you pouring all of that back into you, what you can accomplish. Because when you face all these people and you're lifting them all up, you don't stand in fear. You stand in conviction of your truth. So what's really important is to find your worth and know that you are worthy to have got to where you have got to. You must stand in that worth and believe it, not just for others, but actually stand in it for yourself. So my answer is, or rather the thing I would like to share with you is, what you're giving to everyone else, imagine for a minute pouring that back into you and what you can achieve for yourself um, because you're obviously a wonderful human being. So stand in that, live in it, be the king that you are because the only enemy here, number one, is the brain and how you are working with your neurons. So if you stand in your worth and you know who you are and not allow your brain, that little boy in you that's telling you you're useless and you can't and you shouldn't or you wouldn't, those words are death to our hearts and to our spirits and to our souls. So stand in, I can, I will, and I am. And believe me, when you stand in your worth, your vibration changes, new doors open, and when you give all that love back to you, then you will feel like, yeah, I'm on fire but for yourself, not for others. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you. And I'm Eleni. Thank you. I'm having a hard time receiving you guys. I'll be honest like that. That is also a struggle for me. So I appreciate this. All. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we want to turn it over to Candice. Thank you so much. And uh, Byron, thank you for being here today and for your amazing share. And um, I'll be quick. I just wanted to pick on something, pick up on something that Jill had said. And, you know, it really resonated with me. And I'm hoping to share just a quick personal story and, and hope that maybe it resonates with you as well, Byron. But Jill had said it's about how you feel and how you see yourself. And we all have heard that perception becomes reality. And so for me, about 10 years ago, I had to have one of the scariest conversations to date that I've had to have. And that was with, at that time, my seven-year-old uh, son, who's now 17, and he was diagnosed with autism. At the time, it, it, it well, Asperger's, but now it's autism. And I needed to share with him, um, you know, that he, he is autistic and what that means. And so I won't take you through the entire conversation, but I shared with him, you know, why he is the most amazing human that I know. I shared with him all of his amazing strengths and attributes and 
how he remembers a song after he hears it for the first time, how he can take, you know, a thousand Lego pieces and make the most amazing castle without even looking at um, the book of instructions. And, you know, I, I gave to him a book of these amazing people who've left their markers on the world, who shared some of the same amazing abilities as him. And anyways, we went through this entire conversation and by the end of the conversation, he said, you know, mom, I only have one question that's really I'm struggling with. And he said, how are we going to tell? Oh, sorry, I should back up for a second. I told him that, you know, he was the only one in our family that God blessed with this most amazing gift. And so at the end, he said, when he asked me his one question, he said, how are we going to tell Jade, who's his little sister? She's four years younger than him. She said, how are we going to tell Jade that she wasn't blessed with this most amazing gift? And, you know, I cried and, and he couldn't understand why I was crying. And in that moment, I knew that, you know, through that specific lens and the perception that he was seeing, and that wasn't to say that we're, we weren't going to have struggles, but he saw this as a gift and not as a disability or anything else. And so I, I just wanted to share that because it really is, you know, the what we say to people impacts how they receive it and what we say to ourselves impacts how we receive it. And so I wonder if there's an opportunity to say something different to yourself and then you'll receive it in a different way. And anyways, I hope that little story helps. Yeah, I see a lot of that in me um, with my my traditional understanding of myself and what other everybody else has kind of characterized me as and the, the challenges, you know, with that. So, yeah, and I, I can relate uh, to the idea of what you just said about you know, communicating to your siblings in the idea of, of them being less than, you know, in some form or fashion and the, the, the tenderness that comes with that, that moment of just thinking about that, because that I've lived my life at the highest level that I can do. And a lot of people objectify against that, just, you know, they hurt themselves. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. What a great conversation this is. And Byron, I hope uh, that this is helping you. Uh, any one of my moderators want to add a little bit more? I do have a couple of things I'd like to say. Anyone else from moderators? Okay. One, uh, a couple of things here. Uh, I just want to touch on a little bit of what Dr. Allison said when um, we look at it and we look at an actor like Glenn and we say, well, we can't become Glenn overnight. But the thing is, we'll never become an actor like Glenn if we don't even try. It was uh, Wayne Gretzky, who was a famous Canadian hockey player, who says you always miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, and it's so true. And again, it is not that we are out there to impress anyone. The only person that we need to satisfy is ourselves. And this comes down, I believe, to a lot of self-love and what we tell ourselves, what was just uh, what Candice touched on. Jill also touched on the 100 fails, and it's so true. Let's go out there not expecting that we are going to win. Let's not look at the outcome. Let's look at the process, living in the moment and doing the very, very best that we can. Let's not worry about things that we cannot control. The success of something that we're out to get is not within our control yet. What is within our control are the things that we tell ourselves and the things that we do. And from Jill, what she was saying with the 100 fails, it reminded me of Michael Jordan. Everybody's saying, Michael Jordan, you're such a great uh, basketball player. Wow. And, you know how? And he just very, very calmly and humbly said, you know what? I missed it. 9,000 shots, 9,000 shots. I am who I am because I kept going, but I missed 
more than I actually got. And we have to remind ourselves again that if we don't try the things that are in our hearts and look at what it is that we want to do and how we want to serve or whatever it is that we want to accomplish, if we don't even try out there, how will we know if we're going to be that success? And let's not focus on the outcome. That is not within our control. What is within, it, within our control are the things that we do and the things that we tell ourselves. And it's so very important to tell ourselves the important things is that you got this, you can do it. And it doesn't matter what other people think. It comes down to that self-love and starting your day off with intention. You mentioned um, that one of the things that you were concerned about was, was that others uh, wouldn't include you in whatever it was. And that is energy that's being drained. We can't focus on the fact that maybe somebody doesn't want to include us in something. What we need to do, and, and what I believe is, and I, I'm sorry for using the word need, what I do, let me put it that way, is that I focus on being the best I possibly can, and I fail at that at times. But I have to remind myself, okay, you can do better, and you will do better. And in, when I'm walking into a room, and it doesn't matter what I'm going to be doing, I have to take a few breaths, you know, and remind myself, put your shoulders back, chest out. You've got this, Paul. You've got this, Paul. And I talk to myself in the third person. You've got this. And I talk about this in the room so much, Byron, that it is important to start our day off with gratitude. Take a few moments to say, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I've got a family. I've got people who love me. I've got a roof over my head. And then take a few moments to really talk to yourself in a positive uh, state and just say, today's going to be a great day. Today, I'm going to knock it out of the ballpark and I'm not going to allow the words, the damaging words of anybody affect me. Whatever it is that works for you, you tell yourself that and you believe it, but you set your day off intentionally. You walk into the closet of your mind, you've got two closets. On the one side, you've got a closet filled with regret, sadness, sorrow, all the things that I mentioned in self-sabotage. You don't want to go into that one. You want to keep that closet closed, but we've all got one. On the other side, we've got this brilliant closet filled with love and, and faith and everything positive. We go and we choose our attitude for the day. So setting our day off with intention, and Byron, I so appreciate you. I just want to say that this conversation has been incredibly um, educational for me because I've learned so much from what you just shared. And I'm going to ask you, if I were to give you a call to action, something that you got from my wonderful moderators that you might be able to work on this week, would you be, number one, would you be prepared to do it? And number two, would you be prepared to share what it is that you're going to work on this week to get you that much closer to being the incredible, wonderful, and uh, giving man that you are? Because Lao Tzu said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. But the idea is that we take those steps and we keep moving forward. If I give you a challenge this week, would you be willing to accept it, Byron? Absolutely. I'm a man of, you know, pre-built structure. I, I do well in that, you know, in corporate mindset. So absolutely. Awesome. Now, would you be prepared to tell us what it is you're going to work at this week? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely open to share anything and, and everything. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. I'm just going to place you back into the audience, but I hope that you join us again because 
this is Paul Glenn. Glenn had something I think for him before. Oh, but I. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry, Glenn. Glenn um, let's pull him back up, and uh, I'll turn it over to Glenn. Thanks, Paul. It's not exclusively for Byron. It's for the entire room, but it's motivated by something that I was hearing within Byron's speech, and I have brought this up so many times that I dream of a world where, as a people, we will get the importance of the effect our words have on the outpicturing of our lives. And it's, this goes back 400 plus years ago to William Shakespeare's time when Shakespeare wrote that the past is prologue. What's past, actually, is the way he worded it. What's past is prologue. And while it can be, meaning a preview of what is to be, it doesn't have to be because that fails to take into consideration one of certainly the greatest gifts we have, which is our gift to be able to override a circumstance via the consciousness we possess. Consciousness is huge. And what our consciousness decides it is ready to experience, it can experience through merely making that decision. And what gets in its way is when we refer to past experience as if it's living in present tense. How many times have you heard me mention this, Paul, that when someone says, for example, I struggle with, and I'm not being critical, I'm being specific. That's an actual lie because the truth is I've struggled with. Past tense. Well, when was past tense? Watch this. That was past tense. That snap has already happened. It's the past. And so to listen to someone say, I've struggled with something, I will agree with that all day long if they're sharing what has been a struggle. But the moment we use the wording, I struggle with, we can't not struggle once we've decided that we struggle. Those two thoughts cannot occupy the same space. So no matter how long-standing a challenge or a problem has been, an honest handling of that begins with saying, I've struggled with. That's entirely honest. It completely owns it, but it doesn't block the space for things to be new right now. Things can be brand new once we decide. I mean, we did it as kids with an Etch-A-Sketch, if we didn't like the way the screen looked, we shook it and we didn't tell everybody about our troublesome past of what we used to draw on the Etch-A-Sketch, but rather we shook what we didn't like and we created something new. We treated the now differently by designing what we wanted instead of giving energy to what we don't want. So again, it's not a criticism. It's just a different way of opening up this moment to be occupied in a different way other than the way we've grown accustomed to. And if we want to do that, we can do that. But we can't do it by talking about what we struggle with or deciding that something is hard even. We can instead say, I have found it to be difficult, which is referencing the past, but not 
it's hard to be whatever. So many people say it's hard to be an actor. Well, you get to be right about that if you've decided that it's true. I never made that decision. I was unwilling to make that decision because I didn't see that thought as something that would move my life forward. Why would I go forward to be an actor while simultaneously holding the belief of how hard that is to do? Instead, I held the belief that this is something that is doable for me because I have been gifted with something I wish to say yes to. And so despite all of the protestations that I heard about the unlikelihood of ever making a living at it and you shouldn't move to California and the math is so stacked against you and everything else, well, good Lord, the math has been stacked against us since day one when it was 500 million to one that we would arrive against the competing sperm that was swimming along our side. And we defeated that math. So when is it going to occur to us that we are winners by design? Nobody in this room is a loser. Nobody. Everybody entered this adventure in the winner's circle. And that, that truth bears consideration on a daily basis, if need be, to stop and remember the math that every one of you defied to get here in the first place will obliterate any sense of in, impending challenge because you realize that winning is your very nature. I'm Glenn and I'm done sharing. Hey, Paul, wow. real quick. Come on with hey, Paul, real quick. You, Glenn, you reminded me that I've lived past my last name. The, 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 the ridicule and everything that I used to say that that was a challenge in my current mindset has been gone for years. So brother, you literally put the context to what I've done and I just forgot that I don't fear having this name. I embrace it, I laugh now about it. And I've converted that a long time ago. So thank you, Glenn, because that is, man, that is very, very, very impactful. For you are welcome, my dear brother. You're most welcome. We all deserve freedom, freedom from anything that would dare to stand in the way of us having the life we dream of. Come on Thank with you it. for that, Jill. Yes. Yes, Jill. Come on with it. Let's do it. Come on with it. Oh, I'm the only one doing it. Okay. All right. That's okay. <laughs> I love this. Those, thank you so much. Oh, Come it can it can it. be it can be so lonely out there, Paul. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'll sit on my rock of solitude and cry about it all day. <laughs> oh, thanks for bringing that in. Uh, a little bit of joy. Hey, uh, Byron, that was such a great conversation. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you next week. So, thank you. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. So. Uh, let's go over to Amber, who has been waiting patiently on stage. Hello, Amber. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm loving this room of kindness and compassion and love and support. Um, what Glenn said about life being an assignment, I'm going to definitely take that forward. That was fantastic. And everything that's been shared has been amazing. Um, I do want to share that I'm, this may be a trigger for someone. I just wanted to discuss something that had to do with passing away and cancer. So um, that would be a possible trigger for people. But while I'm waiting, I'll just introduce myself. I'm an on-air host, producer, and marketing strategist. And in the, uh, in the way of Glenn sharing, I've struggled with... Uh, in, the, in the past as well as um, 
something that would be considered perceived perfectionism as well as perceived imposter syndrome. So that is how I personally have self-sabotaged. And if anyone wants to offer anything for that, um, I'm more than more than happy to hear anything that anyone has to share. What I did want to share is that I'm actually sitting in the car right now. I'm on my way home from a funeral of a 47-year-old who passed away of melanoma within being diagnosed of six weeks. And this was such a reminder to me of gratitude, of accepting every moment for what it is, being in the present moment, knowing that every moment is inevitable and that we, if we live in the moment and we don't resist it, that that's where gratitude lives. And it was just such a, a impactful reminder to me that I was just called to share that. And, uh, you know, I've struggled with that perceived perfectionism and that perceived imposter syndrome and how I've, I've worked with it prior is remembering that done is better than perfect and reminding myself that uh, of a quote that I, I somewhat live by, which is from uh, Brian Cranston, who is also an actor, and he shared it in a, in a video that I have saved on my computer, which is when he goes into an audition, he goes in and says, I'm here to do a job, not get a job. And regarding auditions, of course, but I just see that as, as life. I try to see that as life in that you know, living in that moment and being in that present moment and just trying to fill it with gratitude. And what Glenn said about life being an assignment is just a really beautiful sentiment. So I, I wanted to share that as well as anyone that has anything to offer in terms of those forms of self-sabotage that I have struggled with would be more, more than appreciated. And again, thank you so much for this room. I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, wow. We're so grateful to have you here. And thank you very much for that share. Uh, do any one of my moderators want to add anything here? This is Michelle. I just wanted to add one thing because I missed some of what you said because I was transferring out of my car. But first of all, um, what a back at you, what a beautiful heart you have. Um, I just think about the masters. I, I think about Michelangelo. I think about Leonardo da Vinci. I think about Paul Klee, I think about de Kooning and all of these people, they, you know, we, we think of them as masters. They, there are masterpieces in the museums. And yet I can tell you that almost all of them never said, this is perfect. You know, I think every single one of them had that criticism that it wasn't good enough. And yet to us, from where we sit, my goodness, they are miraculous in their design and their color and their form and their function in every way. And so I think it's so important that we learn to have altitude uh, about who we are and even in the choices that we make to kind of bless, you know, how we say bless this mess. It's kind of like that too. It's just being willing to be okay with, as you said, you know, done is better than something like done is better than perfect, right? Uh, and that our own ideas of perfection may not be others and to be willing to, you know, look at whatever it is that you're in the midst of and committed to with wonder uh, and with gratitude uh, for whatever gifts and aptitudes you are able to bring to that. 
and kind of call it complete. I'm a big person on completion. Because I think a lot of times we get into this cycle where, you know, we just end up in worry and not quite finishing something or not quite starting it. And sometimes it's an, an item as simple as you've got a bunch of photos sitting there in a plastic bag or in a box that you've been saying to yourself for who knows how long, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put those photos in a photo album, right? Or I'm going to organize those photos or I'm going to write something on the back of them and we don't do it. And it, it ends up taking up mental space and psychological space. And so, you know, I think it's wonderful to also be able to just call something complete, even if it actually isn't done. Just call it complete. And I think that's what the masters did. I think they just declared it, you know? And so I just wanted to add that in, um, that I think, you know, completions are a very powerful way of moving ourselves forward. And, we, and when we do complete things, it spurs on this incredible experience of energy. Uh, anyway, that's the piece I wanted to add. I know a lot of other people are going to add other things, but I did want to contribute in on that one tiny part of your conversation. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Amber, did you want to respond before we go to Jeremy? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, you brought up so many things that the masters don't use, haven't used the word perfect, which is so true. And the idea of complete really resonates with me. I hadn't thought of it in that way. It's a beautiful reframe and that that really, really does help a lot. And uh, I want to be respectful of time, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. That was really, really helpful. Thank you, Amber. And thank you, Michelle. Jeremy, over to you, sir. Well, Amber, it's very, very nice to meet you. And I'll say that to everyone in the room too, since I'm just getting here. Um, Amber, I actually followed you the moment you actually took the pause to give everyone some space. And I could tell how eloquent you were with your speaking and how, quote unquote, perfect it was of how you entered the room in the first place. So uh, I agree with Michelle when it comes to the value that we give others versus the value we give ourselves. But the question that I have with people that try to be perfect is if you're chasing perfectionism, it means you feel like you've done it at least one time before because what did that do for you? You know, what did it, what did it do for you to be perfect? Or did you feel like you had to be perfect for, you know, our family? And so sometimes I just like, I want to offer you a question and I'm curious to hear your response on it is, you know, what does it look like for you to be perfect? Like what, what does it do for you or what did it do for you or seem to do for you or appear to do for you in those moments where you were or felt perfect? I don't know if you threw like a perfect game in softball or you hit a hole in one one time and you got that feeling or you just did a perfect assignment. But it's like, for the most part, if you've only done it once out of the 90,000 events or tasks or something that you've done in your entire life, then it's really not something that's going to be attainable anyways. And it's, a, and it's a really cool feeling when it does happen. But those moments when they do happen or when we're in the flow and it kind of just happened, we look back, we're like, holy that was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. I just hold out from 185 yards or, or I just did an assignment or I just did a speaking gig and I felt like I blacked out and I was in the most beautiful flow the whole time. You can't try to be perfect. You can't try your way through perfectionism anyways. It's a disaster if you try to think your way through these things. Our beautiful gifts come from when we sheathe our thoughts and we allow things to just flow. So I'd be curious, my question for you is, what did it look like when you did feel perfect? And what did that do for you? Because it probably only gave you a certain sense of satisfaction for a few days. Something I want to leave you with. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, firstly, thank you for the kindness and the kind words. Uh, secondly, and most importantly, wow, what a great question. Um, you're absolutely correct in that, firstly, there there is no perfect, right? So in terms of when you're in the flow and you're thinking about, you're not thinking about it rather, that's when it would be considered perfect. Like if you think of that word happy, I'm using quotes here, but nobody can see me, um, air quotes of happiness, you know, you're not in resistance and it's, it's the very antithesis of the de definition perfect. So that is a fantastic question. Uh, I, I, I'm really appreciative of that question because it's kind of thrown me for a loop because you're absolutely 100% correct. And that really, really makes sense. And when I think about when I do suffer from, suffered, have suffered from that perceived perfectionism, it is usually something that I haven't done before when I'm trying something new. And you are 100% correct in that assessment as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Really, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I can hear it because you're such a good speaker and it was hard for you to respond. That's a really good thing. You and I can talk more if you want to. Paul, back to you. All right, thank you so much. Anyone else want to add to uh, that? Wonderful. Yes, Glenn. Yeah, Paul, can you hear me okay? Yeah, a little bit of background noise, but we can still hear you. Okay, yeah, I'm in my car now, which is why I asked. I just wanted to applaud Amber's multiple efforts to correct and adjust during her share that she caught herself saying something out of habit that wasn't completely in alignment with a healthier plan and she stopped and she stopped on the word and corrected it and all I want to say is that's how the deepest work always begins. Um, there have been many therapists who worded it this way, we can't heal what hasn't been acknowledged and to acknowledge something and realize that it is operating in present tense and then adjusting it and rewriting the script for ourselves is the beginning of freedom. Okay, we got about 98% of that, but I absolutely loved what you had to say, and thank you so much. And yes, uh, I echo that, Amber, it's so true. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, you're an example, and uh, I so appreciate that you came up. Um, anything that you want to add, uh, Robert? Yes, yeah, uh, Jill. Uh are you ready to do the room research? Well, I just was, I didn't know if Robert was speaking. I didn't hear, I was wondering if it was me. <laughs> no, me too, me too. He's like, oh no. He's unmiked, but I don't, don't see, don't hear anything. Should I reset yes, the room? Yes, please. Um, I, I, yeah. Okay. All right, we'll do, we'll do. Well, I want to welcome everyone. If you're just joining or if you've been with us since the beginning, welcome to our weekly room on negotiating your way out of self-sabotage. We are, um, this is led by Paul Nadeau, who is a former hostage negotiator and has incredible books and a movie coming up soon. And uh, it's an incredible speaker, as well as uh, King, who started this with him. 
And so I'm grateful to be here today with you and to share this with you. So I invite you to give the club a follow, his club called Take Control of Your Life. You can click on the little green house at the top and follow the club so you'll be up to speed and get notifications on any rooms that are happening within this club. And I also invite you to follow the moderators that are on stage here that are giving their time to pour into you. Those are those of us with the green dots next to our name. Uh, We love sharing and we love supporting you and uh, being there with you. So um, what else? I haven't done this in so long. I'm trying to remember what else to do. Oh, if you come up and share, I invite you to raise your hand and share. uh, And if you have anything you want to offer, if you have a question or something you're going through regarding self-sabotage, if you think you are self-sabotaging, you may want to join us and, and share the conversation. Just raise your hand. And we also invite you to invite others into the room. You can click on that uh, little share button where it says 16 right now, and you can share the room in the club. Also invite people who are in Clubhouse and by sending also sending them a text message. And there's a nice chat going uh, going here on the left that you can see. So feel free to join in the conversation there and share with us. Um, and if you do come up on stage, we ask that you, um, if you have a sensitive topic, which was so handled so lovely uh, in such a great way earlier, uh, if you do have something that you think would be sensitive in nature to please give us a trigger warning before you start, um, speaking so that way someone can leave the room if they feel like it might trigger them. Um, and I think that's everything, right, Paul, or is there something I missed? Oh, I'm seeing a notification. Okay, great. Yeah, you got it all. And I threw, I threw you into the deep end and you did amazing which i knew you would so thank you for that all right thank you (laughs) robert are you back i nope still can't hear you bro oh i think robert is having a problem with his uh microphone i'll go back to him in a moment but thank you very much jill for that wonderful reset and it's as though you were never gone so thank you um over to emerging welcome emerging thank you very much for waiting patiently are you there hello everyone I have been pen and paper. Such amazing, wonderful stuff here. And I thank you, everyone. So I may be a trigger for childhood sexual abuse. So I am going to introduce myself while I respectfully await if anyone wants to leave the space. That is a big one. So thank you very much for saying that emerging. Yes. You're very welcome. Um, My name is Cinderella. I call myself Emerging Cinderella because I have emerged from being submerged after being torn apart in my, in my life. I've made a decision that I was going to embrace myself, love myself enough to accept myself while I was falling apart and then get back up and come out of my own issues. So I'm a mother of six children. I run a couple of nonprofits where I'm at. One of them is almost eight years old. The other one's only three years old. I work with women that come out of bad circumstances in their life. I also work with women that come out of situations that actually live a very productive life, but are still dealing with underlying issues due to trauma or, or any past issues of their youth that are not dealt with and they're causing them difficulty to emerge in their life and show up as a wholeness. Um, I am 54 years old. I'm the youngest of 13 children. In the process of growing up, I was assaulted and I changed the way I said it because I feel very strong that it was an assault, not only on my body, but on my humanity, on my personality, on my mind, on my soul. I was assaulted by three of my, my siblings and the assaults lasted till I was a young woman. 
I was unable to walk away. I was, I lived in inertia and I was, that's my two year old, so I apologize. I was unable to move out of it. I just really struggled with a lot of PTSD and a lot of personality disorders. And I was raptured and broken into pieces. When I hit, when I hit my mid late twenties, unfortunately, I was arrested for something I didn't do. Now, mind you, I did commit a lot of crimes, but this particular crime, which was horrible, I did not commit. After being put in jail, my children were given to the same person who had the same people who had done this to me. And because of the charges, I wasn't even allowed to talk to my children. So I didn't even know. The point was that while in jail, I interacted with a couple. It was, I was with felons, real felons. I was interacted with a couple of women that even though they were in jail, they saw themselves out of jail. I was not there. I was broken, torn, an ex-drug addict, an ex-prostitute. Out of, I mean, I just had a horrible life, made a lot of bad decisions, even after coming out of abuse because I, w I wasn't equipped. Long story short, I self-sabotaged. I met these two women. These two women, they just impressed on me just by listening to them that they were determined that they would never go back there once they got out. Well, I got out before them and I took that with me. I made a note in my heart and I began a journey of understanding that I had no power, that my power had to come from outside from someone else before I can identify. Long story short, one of my children was trafficked and gone and we couldn't find her. And I remembered the two women again, even though I still sabotaged in the middle. And there I birthed something called emerging with beauty. God said to me in the middle of the night one day when, even though I had five children, I said, I want to die. I cannot take it. I cannot take the trauma, the PTSD, the memories, the flashback, the manifestation of the constant memories, waking up in my own feet. Cinderella. Like it was bad. Yes, sir. Cinderella. Yeah. Is there a question or, or yes. something? That, yeah. Okay. Let's get Okay. To I that. apologize. So the point was that all of that happened and I realized that I couldn't emerge without some help. I needed help. And I began searching out because I was helping so many other people, but I was a mess. When my door closed, I was a mess. So I began searching and looking into people that had overcome what I had, was dealing with, that had understood it. And in the process, I started to learn that I was a mess. And to this day, I'm still a mess, but I'm still working on emerging and I'm still seeking guidance from anyone that is willing to share with me. Oh, my phone's dying. Oh, no, no, you got it. Okay. Oh, sorry, she jumped off or her phone died. Okay. Wow, that's a loaded, uh, that's a loaded situation. I've worked in the uh, sexual assault and child abuse unit for many, many years. So I do have something that I would add to the conversation because that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they are the victim of abuse or the victim of sexual assault. And I appreciate that Cinderella gave us the warning uh, that this might trigger things in people. I'll hold my tongue, uh, but invite for now. I do have something to add, but I will invite my moderators uh, to um, open up if they would like to share first. Is anyone uh, of my moderators wanting to share on this topic? Okay, I, then I will. And I'll start off by saying that when we are young or at any age, it doesn't matter. When things like that happen, to us when we are the victim of a sexual abuse or a, an abuse of some sort. There's 
often the feeling that we must have done something uh, to bring this on to ourselves or that it was our fault. I've spoken to so many victims who felt that if they had not dressed a particular way or if they had not gone to this particular party or if they had not you know, been just who they were, even children, if I wasn't in that room or if I, whatever it is that we tell ourselves, we often blame ourselves for the things that have happened, the terrible things that had happened to us. And I remember a beautiful movie Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams and Matt Damon. And if you haven't seen that movie, uh, it is a masterpiece. And Matt Damon's character is uh, a young genius who was physically abused, severely abused by a foster father or stepfather. I think it was a foster father because he went from foster home to foster home to foster home. And he was living in that that state in which he was suffering from post-traumatic stress and couldn't move forward with his life. And when people are struggling with that, it is hard to really step in to the next phase of their life. So he was struggling with that. Robin Williams, I'm going to give away the movie. So if you don't want to hear the rest of what I have to say, please jump out of the room for about two minutes and come back in. But I remember Robin Williams played this this psychologist, uh, this counselor that Matt Damon's character went to. And over the course of several sessions, they started to, to bond. There was this connection. But Matt's character was still struggling with accepting and just moving past everything that he had suffered. And I'm not explaining it the way somebody else, uh, you know, might explain it. But there was a moment in that movie in which Robin Williams walked up to Matt Damon and he said this, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. He repeated that three times looking at Matt Damon's character. And every time he said it, Matt Damon's got angry because he had felt that it was his fault. And Robin Williams repeated it again. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. So many people who suffer from these traumas often feel that it is their fault when it is not. And that's what I wanted to share because I know that Cinderella is struggling with that and it can uh, influence our lives, the happiness in our lives, the direction that we take. And often we feel like the victims incapable of reaching out and grabbing our power and control because we feel that our power and control has been taken away from us. I felt that when I was a kid, my power and control, if I ever had some when I was a kid, it was taken away from me. And then I doubted myself. And a lot of victims of trauma, of severe assaults and, and sexual abuse, feel that somebody has stolen their power and control away from them. Their right to live, their right to love, their right to move forward. And that's just not true. It's never taken away from us. It may be shifted to the side, but we have to remind ourselves or reach out to someone to remind us and to help us to get back into that state that we are not at fault for the bad things that happen to us. And I could go on and on, but I won't. Do any one of my moderators want to add to this? Robert? Can you hear me now? Yes, we can, brother. 
Awesome. Well, I don't know what happened to my microphone before. Anyhow, Paul, I want to weigh in and, and to thank you for that share that you just did, because you and I, of course, shared <laughs> an upbringing, uh, which you uh, mentioned uh, at the outset of, of the room today. Um, yes, we, we did suffer, uh, you know, traumatic um, childhood with a very violent father who just recently I have reconciled um, even though he's been passed for now going on 25 years, uh, I've reconciled uh, through a different mechanism with him. Um, but uh, that will that I'll say for another day. What I wanted to mention here was that although you and I, and I, I think I can share this and, and probably this will resonate with many, if not most in the room today, is that regardless of what it is, regardless of the trauma, regardless of the attack, regardless of the assault, regardless of the insults, regardless Regardless of anything, what Paul says is absolutely true, is that when something happens to us, it is not our fault. How we react to that, though, is. So, you know, whatever happens to us is, is, is out there. But then we need to take control at that point of how we react to it. And Paul and I, thankfully, we were able to react to it in a very positive, constructive way. We took control. Um, I think we did so because at, we went through a period, Paul and I, where faith, where, where a, a, a form of religious faith really was very meaningful to us. We drew a lot of strength from our understanding of God at that time. And we were able to just kind of embrace that and and their breakthrough, you know, sort of uh, using Mel Robbins's uh, five second rule, although we didn't know the rule back then, just how we took how we seized the moment and we see the moment drawing on our faith, whether your faith is in a God or is in the universe or is in yourself, I think Although what happens to us is not our fault, how we react to it is. And that's the only footnote that I wanted to add to your very excellent uh, share, Paul. And that's it. Back to you. Wow, bro. I'm glad you got that microphone fixed because that was powerful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, who else wants to? Dr. Add? Allison, I think you wanted yeah. to. Okay, great. I just wanted to mention that when it comes to these deeply traumatic childhood experiences. Um, the healing is not linear and many times it's cyclical. And then each time that the individual goes through the feelings and the processing, one gets to a deeper level of the pain and the grief and the sorrow and the shame. And so it's, it's a lifelong process of healing. And there will be triggers that one might not have dealt with in the first or second or third cycling of healing that will come up. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you're healing at a deeper level. And Paul, I really loved what you said about, um, the right to love, but it's also for many, especially the individuals who've been sexually abused, the right to be loved for who you are and not for the body, not for the pleasure you, somebody can derive from you, but just for who you are, your spirit. So there's always hope. And if you are um, suffering with this kind of trauma, it's so important to find a trained therapist in this area because these are very deep wounds that need to be tended to. And it's, there's not one blanket approach. It just needs to have the rapport 
with your mental health uh, pr professional. Um, so if you need help with that and you can't find um, a licensed therapist in your area, you can contact your local psychological association um, or call 211. If you're in the United States, it's a number where you can get referrals uh, locally for um, individuals who have training in whatever area you need. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Allison, and thank you, Robert. What a rich conversation because so many people, and Jeremy, okay, I'm going to go over to you. Yeah, I just, I, I, I had one little thing to add that was quick, and, and um, Paul, what you said was so awesome. Um, the one thing I wanted to almost ask Allison is as I was going through my healing of something that was very incredibly traumatic from my childhood, I remember my therapist, he told me, he said, you know, you're ready to go through this. And I was curious to know, like, kind of what he meant by that. And I think what he meant by that was kind of what Paul had said is, and what Robert had said, it was really beautiful, too, is I had taken, um, I'd taken the power away, I think, from some of the things that had happened. And it was the, the, the power of how I allowed it to affect me anymore. And it was the I think I think the thing that Allison is saying, I'm really excited. I'm just I get I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I get excited for people when they're healing, because I I know that the pain sometimes is is tough to go through and to relive or to to look at from different angles, but I get really excited for people because I'm just like you know there's another side to this, and there's a side where you no longer feel the the strain of the words of like the the torn apart or the the broken down. And no matter what position that somebody was in in their life, you know, I, I, I like to give people the freedom to be really, really, really frustrated with people's actions, people's behaviors, people's uh, demons that they've allowed into their lives. Because a lot of times the people that, uh, you know, hurt us are people that were kind of close to us and people that we, you know, they were family or they were close friends or something like that. So it's not, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to be really mad at that person. And, you know, we're taught not to hate. And so I'll teach people, you know, it's like, you know, it's okay to, to hate their behaviors. It's okay to hate their, the, their thoughts or their, um, like I said, there's their demons that are attached to them. So I don't know. I, I guess I just get excited. And I want to say that, you know, that, that there is hope, kind of what Allison was saying. And when you get to that place where, you know, you've gone through it once, twice, you know, three times, and it's not really linear, but sometimes you'll have that moment where you're like, you know what, the power really is in me. It, it, it's in me to decide how I want to feel about this going forward. And no matter what someone tried to do and did do, which is horrible, um, I get to decide from now on, like, how I'm going to live my life and how I'm going to feel about this and how I'm going to feel about that person. So I think I, I know it's a very delicate subject, so excuse me for being very careful with my words, but I always want to be in these moments. So thank you for the, for the space for that. Well, thank you for that, uh, Jeremy. That was uh, powerful. Thank you, sir. Um, Dr. Allison, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, Jeremy had mentioned how do we as psychologists know when it's right to um, to move somebody along? And that's the beautiful thing about something. It's called a therapeutic alliance, and it's the rapport one builds with your patient. And we learn this in our clinical training for that we have to do for thousands and thousands of hours. And what happens is there's this communion between the therapist, the psychologist in my case, and the patient that 
we see the growth and we test the water. So it's, we, we check uh, how are we doing here? Is, are we, and I don't mean the Royal we, but it's a check of you're noticing when the individual is coming to a place and it's almost more, is, is it safe that more can be revealed here? A lot of people, a lot of individuals with these severe traumas are so shut down and they're so physically reactive that the words are, are nothing. It's the actions that they're still so triggered by. So it's really about building this relationship of safety where the, the individual can learn to express and to feel without judgment, without a time frame, without any agenda, and just allowing, you know, the word allowing is so important. So that's, that's what we're trained for. And that's the work we do. And I know Dr. Norm is not here and he's the, you know, guru on, on trauma therapy, but this is the work we're trained to do. And it's, it, you, if you move somebody too, too fast along the process, and I was just watching a show the other day where a young girl was horribly traumatized and uh, she was given some platitudes and it traumatized her almost as much as the original trauma because she wasn't being treated by somebody who had thousands and thousands of hours of clinical experience in training the trauma. Now, there are some instances where, you know, somebody who's not a licensed mental health professional can be helpful and coaching can be helpful. But for some of the more severe childhood traumas, the sexual abuse, the horrible things that people go through, the sex trafficking, it's important to make sure that certain protocols that we know are evidence-based are are used to make sure that we don't add to the trauma, augment the trauma, and we don't re-traumatize. So that's my two cents. Thank you so much, Dr. Allison and Jeremy, and everybody who's added to this conversation. And um, it's it's a very sensitive topic. I, I just want to close off by saying just a couple of things. In the time that I spent uh, in the sexual assault and child abuse unit, I worked with a lot of experts. And although I was very, very um, I, I was small in helping people to get through it, I was the very first person that many of the victims came to see. And building that trust to have someone open up to you is not an easy thing. But some of the things that I did, I reminded them again, that many of the things that happened to us and that what happened to them was not their fault. You got to remember that. And the thing that I just want to remind everybody here is that if you feel that your power and control has been taken away from somebody, has been ripped from you for what they've done to you, just remind yourself that it's never gone. It's shifted there and it's up to you to pick it up. And you can do it. And other people will help, as uh, Dr. Allenson said. Um, it's so important to reach out to the people, to the experts that can help you to regain that power of control, that love and self-love. And it's not an easy thing. I tried uh, during uh, several of the encounters that I had with victims, uh, I would pull out two T-shirts. Well, at, this was after I got to know them. They were there for two or three uh times meeting me as we worked through the case together and I'd pull out two t-shirts on the one t-shirt was the word victim on the other one was survivor and I would ask them I said listen you have a choice today to choose one of these t-shirts and which do you choose because if you choose the one that says victim it will remain with you for so long and perhaps for the rest of your life where relationships will not work out where you'll feel unloved, where you feel all this. Or on the other hand, 
you can choose this one that says survivor and you can remind yourself that nothing, there's nothing you can't handle and that you are a super survivor, that you're amazing. And that really worked with many of the victims. I remember some of the girls would call me and say, I'm wearing the t-shirt today, Detective Nadeau, I'm wearing the t-shirt and it brought tears to my eyes. And so this has been such a powerful conversation. I appreciate everyone who has contributed to this and Cinderella for actually opening the door to this. So thank you. Ah, all right. So um, I would like to go over to Health, who has joined us and who has been patiently waiting on stage. Health, over to you. Hi, thank you. It's Health and Wealth Coach. My name is Helen. Um, this is such a great room and the topic is, is so powerful. And I just thought it was interesting. It popped up on my Instagram, um, on my clubhouse feed while I was posting my Instagram, um, post earlier today. And it really was about negotiating, um, against yourself. So I just thought, wow, this topic, you know, popped up and I wanted to just share real quick because, um, I, I do find that so often we literally do self-sabotage and we do it by negotiating against ourselves. And I often think about it and I talk about it with a lot of my clients that, that deal with self-sabotage because I've been there and I still sometimes catch myself in that, in those old patterns. And it's interesting to kind of witness it and see through it and work through it. Always kind of wondering like, okay, so what is causing this particular pattern to come up? And I just find often it's this comfort in the discomfort of uh, wherever we are that we are stuck, that we continue to keep ourselves there and we continue to self-sabotage because it's so familiar. So in that discomfort of that being stuck, it's still so, in a weird sense, comfortable because it's a pattern that we've been, you know, accountable in, we've been familiar in, it's been our way for so long that we so unconsciously and sometimes even consciously keep ourselves there. And so I, I just always like to remind anyone that is stuck in that pattern, just ask yourself, what is it? How is it serving you by being stuck by keeping yourself maybe playing small by sabotaging yourself from moving forward in whatever it is maybe you're stuck in a relationship that's not serving you or a job or a career and i think most of us have been there to one degree or another and it is somehow it, as odd as it may sound to some serving you in a any given moment and so Instead of trying to negotiate against yourself, what if you really face it and, and negotiate, kind of like start to argue against your excuses, start to notice and witness the excuses that come up and the stories that, that really play into it and, and all of this, um, you know, these patterns of sabotage, really kind of notice it and allow yourself to sit with it and process it. And there is usually some degree of trauma. There is some childhood stuff usually, you know, that, that will come up, some patterns that we acquired as children from uh, maybe not being have loved enough by our parents or caretakers, you know, and that may be led to somehow feeling unworthy or not good enough or undeserving of something better. So it's just so important to just sit with that and acknowledge it so you can really clear that pattern and really start to 
negotiate on your behalf rather than against yourself. So really love this topic. And that's what I wanted to share for today. I'm Helen and I'm complete. Thank you. Helen, thank you so much for that. I really love what you said about awareness. And that's the topic I don't think that we really touched on today is being aware of our thoughts and policing our thoughts. And uh, we did talk about the, I think it was Dr. Allison, uh, the body keeps the score. Um, there are times where we will feel this uneasiness and we'll feel these, these regrets or these doubts or the self-sabotage, but we're not aware of it. Our body is telling us something that it's showing this discomfort, uh, but it's so important that we keep in check with the thoughts that we have. So if there is at some point a time where you're feeling an uneasiness, check in on yourself and be aware because you cannot change. And I think it was Glenn who said, you can't change something that you're not aware of. So Glenn did talk, talk uh, I can't speak now. Uh, he did touch on it, but it's so important. So thank you very much for that share. I really appreciate it, Health. I'm just gonna move you back into the audience, but I hope that you come back next week and share some more. We'd really love to have you. And I want to respect everybody's time. Oh, Dr. Allison, please. I just want to um, say that Helen brought up a great topic is that when we're stuck in a, stuck in a rut, um, it tends to be our default network. And what the body and the brain do is to reserve precious, precious energy, glucose, oxygen. We do the least amount of work internally as possible to get the maximum results. And so what happens is that to change those patterns of behavior needs to be intention and there needs to be some sort of intentional action to go along with it. It's not just thinking about it. We actually need to take some sort of step. So Helen was spot on about that default network and, and having to first identify it, first realize it and then identifying it because the body will always want to go to that place of restoring reserves. So it's we're fighting an uphill battle sometimes about changing these habits and patterns that no longer serve us. Um, and sometimes it's good to get a coach, a friend, a pal, uh, whatever you need to help you recognize it and help you move beyond. I love that. Yeah, and true. And Helen also touched on learned helplessness, which is something that we should get into maybe in our next room next Saturday and talk about that because, yes, we can become so accustomed and acclimatized to being um, abused and we don't know anything different. We think that this is the way life is. And just drawing again from uh, Robert and my uh, past is that this, this was our life. We didn't know anything. I remember two young boys uh, that we rescued. Um, it, it was so, so sad. They were kept in cages for most of their life, but that was the life that they knew. They were 12 and 14 when we rescued them. 12 and 14, but that was the life that they knew. They knew nothing different. So we can learn to be helpless or just to uh, live in the circumstances. It's not until we challenge that. And it's so important to look to people who may help us to get through the very difficult times that we're going through. And we've come to the end of the class <laughs> because it's been a class for me. I am a student of life and I so appreciate everything that has been said here today. I'm overjoyed. And uh, I want to go again in, uh, in order. If you have any final thoughts, if we can keep it down to a minute, Jeremy, and then you can pass it on to Eleni and then we'll, we'll move on. Any final thoughts before we close the room? I think I heard my name. Let me step outside. Yeah, we're given we're given um, about a one minute final thoughts. 
Yeah, yeah, let me, uh, I just need to step outside. Um, the one thing that I wanted to say is, is that with, when it comes to uh, what you guys were just talking about on having a conversation with yourself, is I've kind of made myself an ally. You know, I've made myself an ally in my life, and I realized that there are certain things that, that people have given us over time, and they tried to give us their energy, or they've tried to give us, you know, tell us that we aren't enough, or they've tried to put actual physical harm onto us. And a lot of that's coming, like I said, from their demons and from their actions and their behaviors. And one of the things that I like to say is that caring people, and I want you guys to write this down, caring people hold on to something that an emotional person dropped a long time ago. And so caring people, you know, we'll remember things and we'll, we'll have empathy for people that actually did something to us because we're just like, how in the world could they have ever done that? And we will hold on to things much longer because that person who was emotional was in that flow in that moment. It was a negative flow but they were in that flow where they're not going to remember it. They'll, they'll basically, they're basically blacked out and they'll, 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 it's over for them. It's like it never happened. And so understand that it's the, the things that people are trying to put onto you in your life, that negative energy, that, that, that vibe, that whatever, that's their own demons and it's not yours to hold. And so I really encourage everyone to become your own ally and to, when you, after you walk away and you start to notice your words and start to notice how other people are bringing that negative energy onto you, like, you know, it's not mine to hold. And none of us are big enough to carry the problems of somebody else ever or the problems of our own selves. And so as we go through these things, I just invite you to be like, it's not mine to hold. And whether it's finding something bigger like God or finding something in the, in the world or a place where you can ground or something that allows you to feel more than just yourself, that let it go. I let it flow through you. It's not yours. And nobody's powerful enough to do that. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, while you were talking, you reminded me of something. I believe it was Dr. Norman who said, at times we should never for forsake our devils, for through them you find your angels. And you reminded me of that. Thank you very much. Eleni, over to you. Any final thoughts? Yeah, thoughts really do become things. So really be mindful what one speaks over themselves because you'll manifest it and create it. So for me, it's about staying in the present, in the day, in the abundance and the blessing that life has for me. Forget last week, forget last year. If you keep looking back, you get stuck. If you go too forward, then it becomes unmanageable. Stay in the now and speak good things to yourself and be your best friend. Live in the present and allow your vibration to create new magic. And I'm Eleni. Thank you, Eleni. Candice? Perfect. Thank you, Paul. First, I wanted to thank you and King for providing this really special safe space to allow us to come every Saturday. And I wanted to thank everybody who joined today and for all the amazing shares. And for my final thought today, I wanted to actually put a question out to everybody. And if, if you'd like to take it away and give thought to it, that would be amazing. And if you want to write it down and um, come back to it when you feel, you know, you've, you've had some time to think about it. But my question really is, what is the smallest thing you can do today that's going to have the greatest impact on your tomorrow? So I'll say that again. What is the very smallest thing you can do today that will have the greatest impact on your tomorrow? 
And with that, I will pass it over to Dr. Allison and say thank you again to all of my fellow moderators. I've continued to learn so much from all of you and really appreciate all of your time. Excellent, Dr. Allison. All right, well, I'm gonna leave with an uh, activity. So if you're able to, I, if you're driving, don't do this. Um, if you can stretch your arms all the way out to your sides and then wrap your arms around yourself and just say to yourself, I love me, I love myself. I, I don't think we pour into ourselves nearly as much as we can and, and need to. So that's my share for the day. Oh, thank you so much. I did that and I, I needed a hug so badly. So thank you very much for that. And Robert, over to you, sir. Thank you, Paul. Again, thanks to all of my moderators and to everyone who came forward with their shares. I think what I want to close with is something that Candice mentioned in her share um, about how perception often becomes our reality. It's not always possible for us in the moment, certainly not in the moment, to seek professional therapy and counseling. Professional therapy and counseling is 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 so helpful and and is is so necessary in in so many um, so many situations. However, we're not always possible in that moment to seek that. And so in that moment before we do reach out when it's it's called for is to just remember that how we perceive uh, what's happening to us becomes our reality, and we can change that reality by changing the perception. So anyhow, that's uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, and uh, over to Jill. Jill, are you there? I am, couldn't find the mute button. Um, I just am grateful to be here. I think it's just all about being truthful to yourself, um, being honest with yourself, and being okay with yourself wherever you are. It's not about trying to be something you're not. And because when we present ourselves in the way that we think others want us to be, that's when we get stuck. Um, we get stuck when we um, have to keep up the facade because the facade is a very scary place. It's a really hard place to live. And so through my personal experience, it's meditation and just being taking a quiet moment to be still and to see who I truly am because that's where the true joy is, is when we just show up as we are and not as how we think we should be. This is Jill and complete. Thank you for the time today. It was such a beautiful room. Oh, thank you so much for joining us again. And it was so beautiful to have you here. You're, you're such a, a valuable uh, member here and you're always welcome. And I love what you said there is just taking the time to meditate and be with yourself because you reminded me, we're not only human beings, we're human becomings. As long as we step forward and remind ourselves that our past doesn't have to equal our future. You reminded me of that, Jill, and thank you for that. That was a blessing. Michelle, over to you. Oh, it was a very beautiful room. Um, there was a lot of emotion in the room today, a lot of learning. I'm just always, I always feel like I have learned something here uh, from all of the speakers and also from everyone in the chat. I mean, the chat was really going crazy today. And I love that because not everyone can come up on stage. Um, but just knowing that more voices are able to share on this really important conversation of, you know, learning how to be our true self, which I think is the most effective formula for an empowered life. And, you know, I think um, self-doubt uh, where self-sabotage comes from is so insidious that it can not only 
render us stuck in our life, but, you know, in our brain, you know, in our, our minds. And I think it does weaken the ability to do something that I think we were born to do that, that, that sets us apart from other um, animals. And that is our ability to dream, our ability to imagine, our ability to be creative and, and to think about what our lives could look like if they were, if we could be ourselves unleashed and love all parts of ourselves. And I think that, um, you know, Einstein believed that imagination was even more important than knowledge itself. And all of us use that imagination, but sometimes we use it against ourselves. And, you know, just by believing in these half-truths that we concoct about ourselves. And what I love today was that all the speakers that came up were truly invested in discovering a greater possibility for themselves in their life and experiencing themselves and relating to themselves from a place of higher love. And so to me, it was such a valuable room. And I thank you, Paul, for always being such a stand and for always inviting me back. So thanks. And I'll pass them on, Mike. On. Oh, thank you, Michelle. And uh, it's, it's me who thanks you for being here. Your heart always comes out and you help so much. And uh, I see that Glenn has joined us. So, Glenn, what we're doing is we're just having uh, our final thoughts. Uh, anything that you would like to add before I go to Kate? Paul, unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't. I'm sitting in the makeup chair. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're doing a big press kit promo for the show today. So I can't, but I love you, and I was grateful to be here today. And it was sure good to see Jill back in the room. Michelle, as always, big hugs. And, Paul, thank you for your service. We thank you for yours as well. Uh, Ruby Red, or are you going with pink lips tonight? Uh, they are reluctant to put lipstick on a sheriff. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, King, over to you, my friend. That would make for quite a series, wouldn't it? The sheriff with, who wears red lipstick. True that. I would, to True I would that. totally watch that, Jill. I would totally watch that. It's compelling. It's compelling. <laughs> There's a new series right there. Ah, uh, King. We can call it lipstick law. I think it might have might have something there, but uh, but yeah, thank you so much to everyone who has joined us. Uh, whether you came up to speak or whether you shared in the room chat or whether you just listened, I mean, it was just it's so good of all of you to be here. And every single week, I learn so much from everyone here. That's you know affect. I mean, just improve the way that I handle you know my day to day life as well. And it's just been so meaningful for me. And, you know, if there's one final thing I just want to leave with everyone once again is just to just to remember to be kind to yourself. I mean, you know, life is difficult enough and there's enough obstacles in the way without you adding them for yourself as well. And just, you know, and, and I mean, something I also try to do every single day is just to do one little thing every single day or big or small or whatever it is. Just, you know, something that makes me happy every single day, whether it's, you know, just enjoy you know taking you know a minute just to enjoy my coffee without anyone bothering me whether it's you know tracking down some ice cream and uh, you know just enjoying that but just do something you know to take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself then everything you know usually looks just or feels a little bit more manageable every single day so that's all i want to say and uh, thank you to everyone who has joined us once again especially the moderators who you know, selflessly give their time to assist here and is de definitely greatly appreciated by, by, by everyone in the room. And so thank you very much for that. And uh, over to you now, Paul. Well, thank you so much, King. And uh, again, for being here week after week after week and uh, for doing this room with me. 
I first want to thank each and every one of my beautiful, wonderful moderators who joined me. Without you, I would not be able to do this room. And the love that you give to everyone, the pouring in, the information, I receive so much as an open vessel to receiving uh, more information. I receive love and I receive wisdom from each and every one of you. I think you're awesome and I love you all. To each and every one of the speakers who came up here today, I echo what Michelle said. You guys were open and vulnerable, and you were looking for answers, as we all are. And your shares just brought so much value to this room. I applaud you for your vulnerability. I applaud you for being here. And I welcome each and every one of you back next week. And please do join us. This is a family. And we're here to learn from each other and to support one another because we're never in this alone as long as we can be aware of that. And so I thank you. And for everyone who's been in the audience listening and uh, sharing in the chat, I thank you for being here. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you. And come back next week as well. My final thoughts, I've got a couple. Now, we heard the word hope, and I love the word hope. However, I do like what Jim Carrey said about hope. He said, I don't believe in hope. Hope is a beggar. I believe in faith. Hope walks through fire. Faith leaps over fire. And that's from Jim Carrey. And that's given me a different perspective on the word hope, because I believe that faith is something that can carry us, as Jim Carrey says, leaps us over the fire. Now, one of the things I want to add to this wonderful conversation here today is that our past does not have to equal our future. And I want to remind people um, and all, and even myself, that sometimes the things that happen to you are also things that happen for you. And when I look back, even at my own past, being abused as a kid, that happened to me, but it also happened for me. Because without that, I would not have become the person that I am today the one who went into law enforcement and helping others. I don't know where I would be, but that kind of shaped me. So I had to look at the good things sometimes that come out of bad experiences. Maybe it gives you strength to help others. I don't know what it is, but sometimes we have to look back and say, you know, that was bad. It could be a divorce. I went through that, but boy, was that the best thing that could have happened to me. And again, let's take a look at some of those things, but not spend too much time revisiting the past because that doesn't help. But if we can look at those experiences and say, what did I learn from them? And remember, too, that we are human becomings and that we are going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to maybe hurt somebody. We have to, we have to remind ourselves, okay, let's examine what went wrong, what I did wrong, and, uh, and then ask for that forgiveness, but also to forgive ourselves and stand on the shoulders of the people that we once were because we are these human becomings. And each and every one of you have a brilliant light within you. And I say this because Leonard Cohen, who was a Canadian, uh, he was a famous Canadian singer and songwriter. He passed away a few years ago and he struggled from depression. And he wrote that beautiful song, Hallelujah. But he also wrote a song uh, back in the 1990s, the mid 90s called Anthem. And I, this one lyric in that song struck me. And he said, there's a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets through. And he was talking about his own depression. And I believe that each and every one of us have, have cracks. We've suffered our cracks. We've, some of us have suffered breaks, 
but we do have these cracks that allow other people's light to get through. And we have to search that light and reach out to people to help us through this thing called life when we feel that we need that extra boost because we're not in it alone. But as much as you have your cracks and that light within you, others have that as well. So share your light into the cracks of others by saying, how can I help? I'm here for you. I want to listen. And just pouring in your love as my moderators have today and as my speakers have today, you guys showed your light and you poured it into the cracks of others. And I so appreciate that you've done that. And that's my little spiel. Thank you very much. We're back next Saturday. So please do join us and go out there and take something from this room here today and apply it to your life. That's my challenge to you, my call to action. If there's one thing that you can work on this week, as uh, I think it was Michelle that mentioned that, what is it that you can work on this week? Or was it Dr. Allison? But what can you do this week that will bring you closer to where you want to be? And that may be starting your day off with intention, with gratitude, and taking one little step that today I will do this. And it's okay. And that will make the biggest difference in your life. So once again, thank you so very much, Michelle. I'm going to turn it over to you to close off the room because I usually close it off uh, much too soon. But uh, are you there to close off the room? Oh, uh, yeah, I can do it for you, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Love and light, some laughter. Happy Father's Day to those of you who are celebrating. We're really excited that you get to celebrate with the people who uh, you have managed to have in your life so far. Uh, and we wish you a really, really wonderful time. I'm going to close out the room in five seconds. Five. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live your... Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.